You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This week, we continue the Share the Dream series with a message from Pastor Rick all about God's sovereignty in each of our lives. If, if, if I don't say anything that you've never heard this morning, maybe you've already figured it out, but I think a lot of you, this is going to be one of the most important messages you're going to hear this year probably in your top five, for you to get this. Because a lot of us Christians, people following God, a lot of times we miss this one little thing about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. So let's have a word of prayer, and uh, let's get into our second sermon in the Share the Dream series. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for the dreams that you have, God, that you have shared with us, and now we want to share with others, God. Uh, Brooke and Pierce testifying, God, that... uh, telling us their story about people that shared the dream with them. So now they're living the dream, and we want to see others live the dream. So help us, God, uh, maybe for those of us who we're still missing, missing that peace, God, following you, we've asked you to forgive us, but God, there's something just still compl- not quite complete and missing. And help us find that today and respond to it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Okay, so get this, that a relationship with God is not just something good for you to add to your life. Now, it is something good. If you don't have a relationship with God, it is an awesome thing for you you need to have in your life. But that's not all it is. Following God is not just a step toward inner healing, even though it could bring a lot of healing into your life. That's not all it is. God is not just a good idea. God is sovereign. He is sovereign. And uh, We've been talking some about that word, and some people said, you know, that's a long word. And, and I said, I, I, I just like that word because it encompasses to me really what God is. God is sovereign, okay? And uh, I believe that the, the whole question of his sovereignty was settled really early in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Here's where I believe his sovereignty was was without question, it was settled. Okay, now you know chapter 1, right? Genesis chapter 1, you know what happens? God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates this and this and this and this and this. And and then we get to chapter 2, verse 2, and it says, On the seventh day God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. I believe this settles the question of his sovereignty because he creates all of this and, uh, and, and, you know, and everything, everything he creates, when he creates it, he says, and it was good, and it was good. And when he says that, God's saying, that's perfect, that's perfect, that's perfect, it's done. And so then on the seventh day, he takes a break, and he rests. Now, you do that, right? You take a little weekend, a little bit of time off the weekend. But what do you do on Monday? You go back to work, right? Or some of you, maybe Tuesday, or whatever, your schedules. But you go back to work. You know what? God did not go back to work on the creation on Monday. I think that this is the thing that settles his sovereignty. It's when he was finished and said it. That's good. That's perfect. It was done. There was not another job that he needed to do. He didn't need to fix anything. He didn't need to get up on Monday morning and go out and say, ah, that's not quite right, and fix that. God set it all in motion. He created it all, and he said, it's good, and it's done. His sovereignty. And, all, and, and I know we look, 
we look at Genesis 1 and we see all the stuff and, and so we're, we're so, you know, we're so tied to our sight and what we experience and see in that way and, and, and those kinds of things. And so we see, you know, him creating the fish and the birds and, you know, and the animals and the trees and, and, and you know, and even the, the, the dry ground and all that. So we see all of that and we miss that, you know, one of the, one of the things I'm so glad of is chapter 1, verse 2, where it says that, that the earth basically was in a state of chaos and so now we get to Genesis 2 and 2, just one chapter later, and what has happened? God hadn't just created stuff. He's also created laws and systems, the laws of nature, the laws of mathematics, you know, the, the laws of genetics and DNA and all of that kind of stuff. God has created all of that and, and, and put all of that into place, and now he's rested because all of this is perfect and all of this is good. And in his sovereignty, he's created all of that, and he doesn't have to go back and fix anything. There's a lot of things that have changed in thousands of years since then, but, but he hasn't had to change any of those things, not fix it. Why? Because he's sovereign. His, his, his will, his decisions, his abilities are sovereign over everything, okay? And so if he's sovereign, and I, and I, and I do kind of ask that question a little bit because I wonder if all of us have really gotten to the decision of, yes, God is sovereign. I believe God is sovereign, okay, because he says he is in the Bible, uh, that's one of our scriptures, First, Chron First Chronicles 29 and 11. We, we say, man, that basically says he's over all of it, man. He owns it all. It's all his sovereign over all of it. I believe that. But in case you haven't, then you need to answer that question. Is God sovereign? And if he is, what does that mean in our lives? Let me tell you what it means in our lives, okay? First of all, if God is sovereign, his laws can be ignored. Okay, we ignore God's laws every once in a while, right? You know, maybe God is telling us a little something in our spirit that we ought, and we don't do it. We ignore him. And God allows us to ignore him from time to time. And we ignore his laws, but his laws cannot be violated without paying some kind of price. There is some consequence. Okay, what, one of my favorite examples of this, and I've, I've used it several times, is like when we try to uh, ignore or violate God's laws and we don't realize there's always going to be consequences. You know, one of the laws he created was the law of gravity. You know, and gravity, you, if you break the law of gravity, you're going to pay a consequence. You know, one sermon, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, I actually asked in the service, do we have anybody here in the service today that, you know, that you were one of those that was a kid that got up on the roof with the sheet and you tried to see if you could really fly like Superman. And we had some people raise their hand and I had to hear their stories after church, you know. And, and it, it, but you know what? When you break the laws... You got to pay the penalty. Now, but here's what we do, don't we? Is we know, okay, we, we, we want to ignore the law, and God allows us to ignore them, you know. He allows us even to break the laws, but there is going to be a consequence. But a lot of times what we do is we kind of, we kind of measure out the consequence, right? Right? Come on, some of you that were real rebellious growing up, you kind of measure out the consequence and said, I'm going to do it anyway, and I'll just live with the consequences, right? right? And, and, and we do that. We do that with God. We sometimes say, I know God probably wants me, but I, and I'll just live with the consequence, as if the consequence is of no consequence, right? But we need to really add up what the consequences are to not following God's laws, rules, and those things. We need to add that because it's not just impacting me for a moment. It's impacting my family. It's impacting everybody around me, and it could, it could have recompense way down, way, way down the line. And so we need to add all that up and consider that, okay? Because the laws of God cannot be violated without some consequence. Now, that sounds like a bad thing. Well, it is, you know, if you're a person that's always breaking the law. But if you're a person that is living by the law, you know, the laws are a, a good thing. 
right? You do like the fact that they put bad people in jail, right? You like that law. Yeah, if, if you're not a bad person, you know, then you like that law. That's a good law. We like that. You know, so he, this leads us into the second thing, that if God is sovereign, his laws are dependable. You see, that's the good part about this, the fact that you can't break the laws without there being some consequence. The good part of that is his laws are dependable. We can depend on, we can calculate based on God's laws. Okay, again, one of my favorite examples uh, is gravity. You are depending on the law of gravity right now. You are. You are expecting when you walk out the door today for your car to be sitting in the same parking place it was when you came in. And the reason you can do that is because gravity is holding it down right where it is. It's not going to fly away. You're depending on gravity to not let it fly away. And if, it, you know, if, if gravity all of a sudden went away, we would have no idea where our cars were. They might be in another part of the town or another part of the world. You know, we don't know. You're depending on that, right? We depend on, uh, on measurements and, and things like that, like, like weights. Weights don't change. You know, I know you can, you, you can kind of play with your bathroom scales at home, right? You can, really, you can adjust it a little bit to make it look like you weigh a little bit less. But it doesn't change really how your weight is, you know, or, or like, like measurements. Okay, God didn't tell us what an inch would be or a centimeter or those kinds of things. We, we decided what that was, you know, an inch is this big, a foot is this big. But, but now that he's put that, and, and maybe I'm a little, being a little too existential for some of you here in these moments, but, but that God set this all where everything is the same all the time. And listen, I, I'm a math guy. I mean, you know, math is in my head. And sometimes, you know, I'm working through an equation on something, trying to figure something out. And I think, wow, that is cool. When I get to the end of it and I see how it works, I say, wow, that's just cool. And it's, it's cool how you can go about it from two or three different directions. And math always adds up the same way. All that happens because God set these laws of math in place. But even though we get to choose what an inch, how big an inch is, it is always going to be the same. You know, it's like if you've ever been on a construction site, and uh, maybe a guy's on the roof, you know, and he needs one more board, and he's got a board in his hand, but it's two inches too long. And so he yells at the guy on the ground that's running the saw. He says, hey, cut two inches off this. And so he pitches it down so that he doesn't have to go down and come back up just for the two inches. And he's depending on what? that the two inches is the same on the ground for the guy using the saw as it is for the guy on top of the roof who's going to nail it into place. And it is, you know, even though that's a, a, a couple of minutes between time, it doesn't change over time. It doesn't change based on, based on, attitude, on altitude. Is that two inches there is the same two inches there. Uh, like our space program, NASA, you know, and uh, people are working together all over, all over the country. And, and you know what? In Huntsville, Alabama, a milliliter there is the same as a milliliter in Houston, Texas. And, and they depend on that. People's lives depend on all of those things working like that. Tonight, you're going to depend on, on God's laws tonight. That when you set your alarm clock, maybe, maybe even if you set it on your phone, it doesn't matter if you set it on your phone or you got you know, an old one that you wind up or whatever. You, know, you are dependent upon the fact that there will be the same amount of hours tonight that there were last night. And that the hours were, will be the same length, you know. There's not going to be a change in hours tonight or any night except for in like in March when we're going to spring forward, right? And so that's going to change. But you're dependent on that. And you go to sleep depending on the fact that your alarm clock is going to wake you up at the time that you set, which hopefully was enough time for you to get ready to go to school or work or wherever it is you need to go. We depend on, that's a good thing, right? Would you say amen to me? I mean, that's a good thing that we can depend on those laws in that way. It is a good 
thing that we can depend on. These laws are not obstructions to our freedom. They enable us, they teach us how to have more awesome life in our freedoms. Okay, if you were one of those kids that always bucked everything your parents said, that's what you thought. You thought every one of their rules was an obstruction to your freedom, right? Don't run with scissors. But that, that is an obstruction to my freedom to run with scissors. Yes, but mom and dad are saying don't do that so you don't get hurt, right? You have to hold my hand if we're crossing the street or walking through a parking lot. That's an obstruction of your freedom. Yes, but that's, if you look at it that way, but if you realize what it is, what it really is, is teaching you this is the way to get you to, to, to the most awesome life and maybe a long life also if you listen and you pay attention. So the, the laws of God being dependable are a good thing. You and I can depend on them. And we can depend on other ones as well, like the sowing and reaping law. You know about that one, right? You know, and then when you give, when you're a giver, you know, there's just more that comes back to you. You know, and not just in money, also in other things. Like if you want to have friends, what do you got to do? Be friendly, right? It's a sowing and reaping kind of a thing. And forgiveness and, well, Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer, right, doesn't he? That if you want to be forgiven, what do you to do is tied to the ability, the, the way that you respond into other people who need to need to have forgiveness. So if you want to be forgiven, then you have to forgive. And so these are these are things that we can depend on. And when we when we need God's help, we know that these are the ways that we can depend on. Which leads us into the third thing, which is even greater than that. And it's that that if God is sovereign, His word is final. Okay, again, that sounds like a negative if you're a rebel. You know, like if, you, if you're having problems with your boss, if you're having problems at school with a teacher, if you're having problems with your, with your parents, then, then yeah, that doesn't sound good, that their word is final. But if you are in right relationship, if you have a good relationship with your boss, if you have a good relationship with your teachers, if you have a good relationship with your parents, if you are in right relationship, the fact that their word is final is a good thing. Are you getting this? So if you're in right relationship with God... It's a good thing when he says something, and it's final, that nobody can say, but, that pastor can't come up here and twist God's words and say, yet, I'm not really sure about this. It's a good thing that God's words are final if I am in relationship, good relationship, right relationship with God. It's a good thing that his words are final, that when he speaks a promise, come on, somebody, it's a good thing that that is like the Scripture says, it is yea and amen in Jesus Christ. And I've actually, not, it's not on the screen today, but it's on the Sunday's, uh, the Connect page or the sermon notes if you want to find that Scripture. His promises are yea and amen. That's a good thing that his word is final because I, I, get, I get to stand on his promises because his word is final. It doesn't matter what it looks like today. It doesn't matter what it feels like today. It doesn't matter how bad, bad uh, everything looks and, and how, how, how much I'm struggling. It, you may be struggling more today than you were. Yeah, that doesn't matter because God's word is final. And so every promise is yea and amen. That's a good thing. So then what does that tell us? If God is sovereign, number four, it would be foolish to deny his authority. You know, if he's sovereign, wouldn't it be foolish for me to say, oh, you're, you're not. If he's sovereign, it doesn't really matter what I say about him, but it really would be foolish of me to do it. It would be foolish of that. And the only reason I would do that is if I wasn't in good relationship and I was trying to, but it, it, it still wouldn't change anything. I mean, even if you're not in right relationship with God, it does not change his sovereignty. But when you're in right relationship with him, his sovereignty is an awesome thing. And it would be foolish of us 
especially those of us who are in right relationship with him, to deny his authority, to, to refute his authority, to reject his authority, to, to ignore his authority. It, it would be foolish to us. It, it, would, it would be better for us if we're in right relationship with him, if we're some of those that, that we know we're trying to do what we can, we're, we want to be in right relationship with him, and so we are putting ourselves under the promise. It would be better for us to do what David did in First Chronicles 29 and 11. Okay, so let, let me take you there, but let's back up to verse 10 to kind of set this up a little bit, all right? First Chronicles 29, verse 10 and 11, David praised the, the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. Now, let me just tell you, what, here's what they had done. They, they had been bringing the gifts together because they're about to build the temple of God, okay? And so now they've got all these, and David's just excited, and everybody's excited, so David is praising God, and he begins saying this, Oh Lord, the God of our ancestors Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. There is no one greater than you. you. The greatness all belongs to you. Anybody that's called great in the world, it, they're just great, but they're under you. Yours is the greatness. Yours is the power. All power, all authority is yours, God. Anybody that has any power, they have power because you have power, because you've allowed them to have power. Yours is the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O oh Lord. And so he, he just throws everything to God and says, God, everything belongs to you. But here is where a lot of us, even Christians, come on, here's where a lot of us stop. Is we On Sunday morning, God, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're glorious, you're, you're powerful. All of those words and all those words that Jeff says when he prays, you know, you're, you're amazing, God. You know, but... We don't go on to the next place. It's easy for me to say, God, you're sovereign out there. God, you're sovereign over there. God, you're sovereign in this house. But David took it a step further. He said, he said God, you're over all this and everything. And then he says, and this is your kingdom. David was the king, but he went this other step, and he said, this is your kingdom. He had already said, God, you're, you're over everything. You're sovereign over everything. But he wanted to make sure. He says, and this kingdom that I am over. This is your kingdom. You see, that's where I think a lot of us, and that's why I think this is going to be a really important sermon for many of you today, this year, is because a lot of us stop there. Is we, we talk about how great God is, but we never say, and this is your kingdom too. My decisions, my, my desires, my wishes, my dreams, my hopes, my futures, this is your kingdom too. And, and, and why, why would David say that? You know why David's got a vested interest in saying this because David is now king over Israel. God has made all of these promises to the nation of Israel, and then he also made promises to David. And he said, "David, you and your family—they are going to be the kings. They're going to sit in the in, in the throne of Israel." And so God had made all these promises. So, so when David says, "David said, God, you are sovereign. You're sovereign over everything, even over this kingdom." You know what all he was doing was he was saying, amen, God, whatever it is that you're dreaming, all the awesomeness that you're dreaming for my nation, let it happen. All the awesomeness that you're dreaming for me and my family, let it, that's all he's doing. When we acknowledge his sovereignty and we make him sovereign in our life, then what we're doing is we're saying amen to every promise, amen to every blessing. Make it happen in my life, God. Make it happen. Bring your wisdom into my life. Bring, bring your blessings into my life. He was just saying amen to what God already wants to do, as, as, as Jeremiah teaches us uh, here, uh, you know, but uh, Jeremiah also following this up, and, and Jeremiah saying that God, God has an awesome plan for your life. He has a plan to give you a hope and a future by making God sovereign over your life. 
you're saying, amen, God, whatever you're dreaming, make it happen in my life, which leads us to the last, th the last thing is like, it, it, that if God is sovereign, man, if God is sovereign, there is no better place to entrust my treasures. David was saying, my kingdom, my treasures, my hope, my family, my future, my stuff, everything I'm putting into your hand. And there's no, there's no better place to put it than in the hand of the sovereign of the universe. I mean, the, uh, the older you guys get, because I'm not getting older, just y'all are. The older you guys get, I hear you talk more and more about how you're worried about things in the world. How, about your kids, what they're going to have to deal with growing up about what's happening, you know, maybe financially for you or wh whatever the area is. I hear more and more of that. And whatever you're worried about, let me tell you, the best place to trust all that is in the hands of the sovereign, the one that is in charge of it. You know, here, here's how Paul said it, for 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. And, and, and reading and studying this, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but reading Greek scholars, they said one of the things he's saying here is he's saying, I have something precious that I have deposited into the hands of God, and I am fully confident that he is able to hang on to it until the end of time. So what do you have? What precious things do you have in your life that you've entrusted to him, that you've deposited into his hand? It's safe, it's secure, because he's the sovereign. Nobody can take it from him. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can do anything about it because you put it in his hands. But here's the real question, isn't it? What precious things do we have that we have not put into God's hands? That's the real thing. That's the real question here today. It's what are, what are we holding back on because we said, yes, you're sovereign of all that, except this one thing. I, I need to hang on to this one, God. And we've not let him. Be. But I, I really want to encourage you today. Come on, trust him because he's the sovereign. And back to Jeremiah 29, 11, when, when, he, said, when he says to them, don't, don't tell me how I, I think about you. Don't tell me what I'm thinking about you. Don't tell me what I'm planning. I know what I'm planning. I'm not planning to harm you. I'm planning a future for you. I'm planning a hope for you. I'm planning good things for you. I, I, not, I implore you this morning to believe that, that if you're a child of God, the sovereign is working on your behalf, and he just wants you to put it in his hands. And he can, he can handle it. He can take care of it. Whatever the needs are, whatever, whatever the struggles are, whatever the battles are, put it in his hands, okay? So now, how do we do that, Pastor? Glad you asked. I want to tell you real quick, okay? And, and I'm going to tell you six things real quick. And um, I, I don't want to tell you, but I, I think a lot of times we ask the how. I want to tell you the why. Because these are some of the same things we say over and over and over. I want you to understand why. You need to do this. And why this brings the sovereignty of God into your life. Okay, how to acknowledge God in life. Praying daily keeps our minds connected to God. Okay, so praying daily. You know, you need to pray daily. You've heard us say that. We say that a lot. We've said that. And actually, you need to pray constantly, meaning that you're kind of always in constant communication with God. But praying daily keeps us connected to God. Here's the why you do this. If you want God to be sovereign in your life, you need to be praying daily. Have you ever had a friend that you didn't hear from for a long time? You know, and you, you thought th they were ignoring you. Maybe you called, you text, you Facebook messaged them, and they still didn't respond. And so finally you just were at your wits end. You got on Facebook, and you started asking, has anybody heard if so-and-so died because they will not respond to any of my messages? You know, and I wonder sometimes if God thinks that about us. And you wonder if you even have a friend anymore or if they have cut off the friendship. 
Praying daily keeps us connected to God in the same way. We wouldn't imagine that we were good friends with someone that we never talked to, would we? And so praying keeps us connected to God. It is an acknowledgement that he is sovereign. I need to be connected to him. Okay, secondly, asking for his direction is showing we uh, value his wisdom. You know, when, when we ask God, it, does, it, does it not make you feel good when somebody asks your opinion? You know, why? Because they're saying, I value your opinion. I value your experience or I value your wisdom. So when we ask God for his, uh, for his guidance, we're, we're saying, we're acknowledging that he is sovereign. His wisdom is higher than our wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways. All of the things that, that he understands and he knows is so much more and deeper, better, stronger than our ways. So, so by asking God for guidance, we're acknowledging his sovereignty and wisdom. All right, thirdly, how to acknowledge God in life. Speaking in positive faith shows our confidence in his abilities and in his care for us. Okay, uh, uh, you know, uh, some people go off the deep end about anything. I mean, anybody can go off the deep end about anything. You know, some people are like, oh, don't speak that negative, you know, that kind of stuff. Or always speak positive, always speak positive. You know, I, I had a friend, that he, he, got, he really got into that. Kind of got a little close to the edge there for, for a while, you know, because every time I'd say something, don't speak that into your life. So one day he and I were walking down the hall, and, and he said, wait a minute, I got to sneeze. I said, go ahead, claim it. <laughs> he didn't like that. <laughs> Got my point across. I mean, you know, come on. You, some of the, so, yeah, I know some people can get overboard with this. But it, if you really believe God is who God says he is, you ought to be talking positive all the time. Come on. like Some of you Alabama fans, you know, there was a game this week that you guys, you, had, you were having trouble. I heard what some of you guys were saying about that. I mean, didn't have a didn't have a, a prayer at all that Alabama was going to come back in the second half, right? I mean, you know, we were speaking down, you know, didn't think, believe Jalen Hurts had it in him, didn't believe Dayball had the plan and all that kind of stuff. All that was happening, you know. After the game, it all turned out the way it did. You know, I went to Hibbets, uh, kind of, I guess, become a tradition uh, when Alabama wins. I went to Hibbets to get a T-shirt. I got the last T-shirt that would fit a guy in the whole store, okay? I mean, they were sold out so quick. And uh, right before we got to the register, a couple ladies in front of me, they got just what they could grab also. And uh, we were there pretty early, but they said, you know, if we had known this, if we had known they only had a few things, we'd have been down here at halftime. And I said, no, ma'am, we wouldn't have been down here at halftime because there's not a one of us that believed we were buying a T-shirt tonight for a championship. You know, that, I, so I was speaking it too, right? But I was speaking about Alabama. I don't talk that way about my God. I believe my God is able to do anything he wants to do, everything he sets his mind to. I believe that. And so I will be talking that. When I speak that way, I am saying, here's what I'm saying. I am acknowledging that he is a God that can do anything and that he is a good God that wants to do good things for us. So I need to be, I need to be speaking positive, good stuff all the time. Even when it's bad. Listen, don't automatically respond negatively to bad news. That's another sermon. If you haven't heard it before, ask me. I'll preach it to you later. Okay, let me give you the fourth one because i got to hurry right here. Making his dream happen by giving and serving says we believe his way is the best way. You see, when, when, when you give your, your tithes to the, to the work that he's doing, you're saying, God, I believe your way. You are acknowledging his sovereignty over this is the plan. I believe you're. When you roll up your sleeves, when it's 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, when it's 20-something degrees outside, and you show up to, to help unpack and set everything up so that everybody else can just come in here and enjoy a warm service, don't you feel bad now about those people that do that every week? Well, then roll up your sleeves 
When you roll up your sleeves and you do that, then you are saying, I believe this is the plan. The things I tell you, if you missed last Sunday's sermon, you need to listen to it. Go to the podcast because of the things I said. We, met a, we hit another milestone last week you need to know about. And I, I don't have time to tell it. I want you to hear it, okay? Uh, but when, when, when you're rolling up your sleeves and you're involved and you're, you're, you're giving financially, you're saying, What's happening right here, God, what you are doing right here, the plan that you have, it's amazing. And I, I believe in it, and I acknowledge your sovereignty over choosing this right here. That, that's what you're doing. Number uh, five, showing love to others identifies us as followers of Jesus. Uh, we tell you this all the time, right? You need to, we need to love. We need to reach out. And, and Jesus even said it, that having love for one another is how people are going to know you're my followers, you're my disciples. Showing, showing love. So do that. Why? Why? Because it's acknowledging God. I am one of his. When you love others, you're saying, I'm one of his. When you, when you uh, instead of demanding the best for you, but you, as the word says, sometimes you suffer injury or you allow injury to happen to yourself because you want to love someone else, then you're saying, listen, the world doesn't do it that way. God does it that way. I'm one of his. You're acknowledging his sovereignty in your life over your attitudes, you know, over how you treat others when you get cut off in traffic. Da, da, da. We want to preach that a little while here, you know, whatever, right? Last one, number six, is living like your God's son or daughter brings him honor. When you live like your God's son or daughter, you bring him honor. And if you really live like your God's son or daughter. You know, have you ever, have you ever had, some of you ever had, you know, someone kind of tell you, hey, you know, uh, like, I don't, David, maybe your dad said, hey, you're a joiner, act like it. You know, sometimes that's a bad thing, right? You know, for some families. I remember hearing about, you know, what my, one of my uncles uh, was tracing our family tree, traced it all the way back to England and found horse thieves and got so discouraged he just quit, wouldn't look anymore, you know. So, you know, I, I guess sometimes, you know, that, that, that's not a good thing. But, hey, you're a Christian. Act like it. Hey, you're a child of God. Act like it. Hey, the sovereign is on your side today. Act like it. You know, because it's not enough to just do that second thing up there, ask for his guidance we have to live by that guidance too asking for it isn't enough we have to live by the guidance as well and living like we are his children living like I am a son of God I am the head I am not the tail I am the I'm the first he is he has died for me I'm not the refuse I am the treasure that he came for living that way is acknowledging the sovereignty of God in your life why do I want to do that? For all those things we preached about the first half of this sermon. The promises, the blessings that he can be depended on for everything. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.